It's time for episode 385 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, February 10th, 2021. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where you don't have to wait for the weekend for our halftime show. My name is Dan Morin, and I am joined across the internet by my good friend, my pal, my dungeon buddy, Mr. Micah Sargent. How are you doing today, Micah? I'm doing well. That was a great intro, Dan. I liked it. Thank you. Every once in a while, I nail it. 385 episodes in. I got a good one. (laughs) I can retire happy now. Yay. (laughs) This is the show where we invite on two fantastic people to talk tech with us. To my left this week, it is a technology podcaster over at Podfeet. Uh, the Nozilla cast is Allison Sheridan. Welcome back, Allison. Hey, Dan. Here from freezing cold California at 55 degrees. <laughs> As I look outside at the foot of snow on the ground. Yep, sounds right. Uh, I miss the snow. And joining us from a very snowy place is the head of podcasts at DC Thompson Media. It's Christopher Finn. Hello, Christopher. Hello there, Micah. How are you? Well, severely lacking in snow, but otherwise doing well. And I hope that uh, even though you have snow, you are also doing well. I am. It's one degree here in in like freedom units. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let me kick things off this week. The App Store, Apple's App Store, is turning out to be rife with scams and fake reviews, apps misreporting what data they collect, all uh, despite Apple talking about the curated nature of the store. But we all still use it, and Apple doesn't seem overly concerned about some of these things, or at least hasn't said a lot about them. My question for you is, does the App Store need to be fixed? Is it in need of fixing? And if so, what moves should Apple take, you think? Allison? Well, at the at the risk of offending the host, I, I have to challenge your assumption that Apple Please. doesn't seem too concerned. Um I see Apple doing a lot of things to try to improve it. I mean, you often see articles about Apple removing malicious apps. You know, they're not as loud maybe as they could be in saying, look, we got rid of all this junk because that's not really good advertisement for the service (laughs) to say, well, there was a bunch of junk in there. So I, I think they're just a little more circumspect about announcing those things. And, you know, I know that the data collection nutrition labels are not working exactly as designed because people are just lying and saying, no, we don't collect any data, and then they collect data. But that's giving Apple the information so they can now see who's misbehaving and they can yank those apps. I I feel like they are doing things. They're just not loud and in your face about it. And also, you know, I don't seem to notice it. I haven't ever been hit by any of these malicious apps. I don't seem to run into... I mean, everybody can tell a fake review from a real review, and you just read past them. I don't know. It doesn't seem like that big of a deal. It seems like they're doing the right stuff to me. Hmm. I think that that, uh, you you do bring up a good point there, that there is a lot that Apple is doing. Um, I think one place where I would like to see improvements is with more uh, attention paid to the most popular apps in the app store. So be they, you know, top 20 uh, free apps, top 20 paid apps, top 20 apps in a given category. It feels like each of those apps could, instead of being algorithmically uh, brought to the top that they're, you know, sure, let the algorithms work to bring those apps to the top, but then sort of 
get a, a you know a, a message that gets sent to somebody on that app store editorial team that's like oh the algorithm suggests that tomorrow or next week this app should be in the top 20 apps for free apps and we need you to do a review of the app before it you know before it can be approved so that way when these apps do game the system with fake reviews and things like that and get into those uh, top slots that in those cases, the app is looked at by a human being to make sure that it's not doing things like charging 20 bucks a week for a given year uh, for an app that doesn't work. Because there was a developer who kind of talked about this on Twitter and was showing that an app that it pretended to replicate the features of his app, but it didn't even do so, uh, was charging a huge amount per week for the subscription and was making a bunch of money off of it. And that, of course, is not a good thing. So yeah, just a little bit more human involvement in the ranking system, I think, could uh, result in a bit of improvement in the system. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I genuinely agree with both of you, actually. I don't think the points are in opposition. I think there is a job to be done here, isn't there, in in curating what's on the App Store. I actually launched um, a few years ago a magazine in the UK called Tap, which was an iPhone and iPad uh, OS magazine from Future Publishing. It was iPad-sized. We did app reviews in it. But it's tough to do that. Like, I'm a journalist by trade. I'm always going to think that, you know, human curation and editorial uh, processes and thinking is the best way of dealing with this just because you can do a better job at surfacing brilliance than an algorithm necessarily can. Um but it's it's really you know the SEO and that stuff is appalling and you know, it's really hard to make any kind of f- commercial argument for producing that content and actually I think w- w- there's a, 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 a <laughs> challenge Dan's um, uh, question as well I think the bigger challenge here actually is in the uh, the uh, process of paid uh, app spots in app store listings right so where you know even if you are James Thompson with Peacalc somebody could still buy an ad targeting those keywords and appear above you in a, in a search and I I, I'm deeply uncomfortable with how money can talk in those situations. There's not enough opportunity for um, the the real quality to, to bubble to the top to that. So, Dan, I've challenged your questions. <laughs> how do you feel, man? How do you feel about yourself? No, I like it. I like when people push back a little bit. That's great. I, I think, you know, there are a lot of different viewpoints here, and the App Store is a gigantic concern, and I think it's like in terms of, like, a business concern. And it, it is... It is hard. It is a hard job in there because the volume is so high that monitoring this stuff, I think, is difficult. That said, Apple is a company that just pulled down $111 billion in a quarter. And it seems like this is a problem that can be solved by throwing some more money on it. And I think, you know, as Micah pointed out, the the scam apps that are out there that are charging like weekly subscriptions and literally don't do anything. It is amazing to me that those sneak by when we also have Apple you know, basically flagging apps that essentially compete (laughs) with their own offerings, right? And like get held up. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's kind of a double standard. And I think it's it's very unfortunate when the stuff that's actually preying on people doesn't seem to get quite as aggressive a response in some cases, certainly not as public a response. Um, And, you know, then also the uncomfortable thing to sort of link into Chris's point about the, the paid placement, you know, those apps that are not doing anything, but people are ending up, you know, giving money, Apple gets a cut of that money, right? 
like they're making money off those scam apps, which has got to be deeply uncomfortable as a place to be. I, I certainly don't think Apple wants any of this. I think that they much prefer that their image be that the app store is, as they've always said, you know, a, a safe and, uh, you know, well-controlled place where you can download apps. But I think it has been so successful past their wildest dreams that they they struggle with issues of scale. And so pointing at things like paid reviews, even though you can look past them, they also game the ranking systems, as Micah was talking about. You know, So that's, that's a challenge as well. If people are paying for all these great reviews, you may be able to look past them if you've heard about an app somewhere else. But if you just go browsing and you see, well, this app has 35,000 you know, fantastic reviews, and you download it and it turns out that it's junk... That is a problem. So I think Apple does do a lot for this, but I think I think they could do more. And I think the App Store is one of their biggest weaknesses as well as being one of their biggest strengths. So thank you all for your thoughts on that. Great conversation. Let's move on to our second topic, which comes from Allison. Well, Apple's Fitness Plus has been out for almost two months now. I was just curious, have you guys tried it? Have you stuck with it? What do you like about it? If you haven't tried it, how are you staying in shape under current conditions? And yes, I'm shaming you if you're not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bring on the shame. Uh, I have tried it. Um, I haven't stuck with it just because I it was not something that kept my attention for very long. Um, <clears throat> that said, I like the idea of uh, and and liked the idea of a what feels more live, um, a more live and regularly updated set of workouts with familiar faces or they become familiar faces as you work with these trainers. Um, of course, I love the diversity of it and the accessibility of it. Uh, the diversity of the cast of characters who are working with you and the accessibility of having different styles of the workouts that they suggest. And even within that, having different types of workouts for different types of people. As far as what I'm doing to stay in shape under current conditions, that would be going up and down my stairs every day. Uh, let us move on to Chris for your thoughts. I have not tried it. I am constitutionally unsuited to this sort of malarkey. Malarkey, I tell you. Um, I'm not a keep fitty typey person. And I, the way I'm keeping fit in this current situation is badly. Um, in the before times, I had a four mile each way cycle to work, which I really enjoyed. 20 minutes of just of podcast. That was my podcast time, which has been cruelly snatched away from me. And these days I just don't move. I really just don't. I, 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 you know, occasionally will walk to a shop to buy groceries. But apart from that, I'm sitting either in my armchair in front of the telly or I'm sitting here at my desk working. Um, and it's appalling and atrocious. But I cannot bring myself, and I know I should, I feel your waves of opprobrium, Alison. I cannot bring myself to actually do anything about it. I, I will say as well that being British, I'm also constitutionally unsuited to the, the, the very uh, happy, cheerful and peculiarly Californian tone that comes across in a lot of Apple's fitness stuff. When my, my, my watch says to me, like, good job, you stood up. I would like to say some bad words and throw it at something. I can't. I, cannot abide that it r rankles so badly especially when it's like on a saturday and it goes you can you can crush it chris you know it's your last chance of the week and i think i'm like mate it's saturday <laughs> i've been it's been it's been a busy week of doing nothing i'm going to do 
effectively nothing now uh, from from here on in. Uh, Dan, what about you? I really want the Scottish version of Fitness Plus that's just a little more dour about everything. <laughs> I'm, I, I think that would be wonderful. Uh, it's raining here at the Edinburgh Fitness Studio. You know, um, I you know what. Allison, I'm gonna, I'm here to I'm here to dig you out. I've used Fitness Plus a bunch. I like it a lot. Um, I really enjoy it. Uh, it but you're American. <laughs> what you would say that, Dan? <laughs> but I'm definitely not Californian. I'm on the East Coast, so you know we are closer in mood to the <laughs> to the UK. Um, I I do like it a lot, and I think it, the the structure it provides and the ability to do sort of quick workouts that have a variety of different um, levels for people is great. I think it's really well designed. I've enjoyed the interactions with the the coaches i think you know they do provide a lot of encouragement and it doesn't feel as much like something where you know you would be um you know maybe very uh, uh like going into a gym where it has that level of like oh man i'm i'm not a gym person like it's not as oppressive in that way to me it feels very welcoming and i like that aspect of it my wife is even more into it than i am and so she really has been using it a lot um, I've been using it somewhat less so, but still trying to do at least a few workouts a week. Uh, other than that, I try to go on walks every day. It's been a little harder with the, all the snow out and about, but that's sort of my, my daily walk is still my, my best way to keep in shape. I do really like uh, Fitness Plus, and I was I, I was a serious gym person. My problem is that I work out at a gym in an area, uh, a very, very wealthy area of Los Angeles, and to say the people there have had some work done is an understatement. I mean, you know, the Laker girls work out there. It's just, it's just horrible. <laughs> and so I would never go into a class because it's just, I, I go in, I'm really not coordinated. I'm an engineer. I, it's like genetically wrong. And so I would never do a class, but I started doing these classes and I found I could do them and there was nobody mocking me, but the cats. So I've really enjoyed uh, trying out strength training. I've never done any strength training. I've never done any hit training. Hit training is really fun. And you can you can set it to like a 10 minute workout so you can go, well, I don't really want to commit to this guy, you know, or this woman, whether she's going to be the kind of person I want to follow. But you just do like 10 minutes and you go, oh, that wasn't too bad. Maybe next time I'll let her give me 20 minutes. So it's really been helping uh, release the uh, annoyance of what I was doing, which was going up and down my stairs emulating a Stairmaster, which I realize is backwards because Stairmasters emulate stairs. But anyway, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. We can, yeah, we could all use a little bit more of that, I think. All right, that's two topics down, two topics left to go, which of course means it's halftime. And let me tell you about our sponsor this week. This week's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by the Intrazone by Microsoft SharePoint. Look, Chris was just talking about how his podcast time has been cruelly snatched away from us, and I know it's difficult, but we all have all this extra time on our hand, and it's great to find new things to listen to. You are listening to a podcast right now, and hopefully you are enjoying it. If you're looking for a new show to listen to, The Intrazone is a bi-weekly podcast with conversations and interviews on how Microsoft, SharePoint, OneDrive, and related tech can work from you. You'll hear from guest experts behind the scenes and out in the field so you can see how SharePoint fits into your everyday work life to easily share and manage content, knowledge, and applications. Each show covers a bunch of segments like news and announcements, focus topic of the week, guest perspectives, FAQs of the week, and upcoming events. And the topics for the show are really interesting. Previous hosts have covered things like designing your internet, AI, machine learning, and Office 365, OneDrive Teams, MS Stream, all those tools, and more. 
I listened to an episode where they talked to um, a, uh, a customer from a not-for-profit that helps uh, kids and uh, motivated children need meet their full potential. Um, and it was really interesting and great to see how not just big businesses, but also these really worthwhile organizations that are trying to do their best to help society can take advantage of these tools and really get their job done much better. Really kind of cool. So go and listen to it now. Just search for The Interzone wherever you get your podcasts. That's I-N-T-R-A-Z-O-N-E, or just click the link in the show notes. Go check it out. Our thanks to The Interzone by Microsoft SharePoint for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, halftime is over. No surprise musical performance has happened. Micah, you're up. <clears throat> me, 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 me. Uh, so there's been a lot of chatter about the good and the bad of the new service clubhouse uh, that's still, I think, invite only. Um, but a lot of people have kind of been talking about the the different features of it and what it can bring to the table, what it doesn't. I'm just curious uh, whether or not you've given it a try, uh, if you've heard of it, what are your thoughts on the platform? I have heard of it. I got an invite. I'm on it. I haven't done anything further <laughs> since then. I've been on it. You know, that, it, it feels like a very um, 21st century ritual to go through to uh, join a new social platform, in part just to reserve your name um, and then to sort of, you know, sit back and not really do much about it until the... the Technorati, the chattering classes tend to start talking a bit, a bit more and you sort of get a bit more interested and interesting thing happens there and things ripple out, you know, we're all used to seeing like TikTok videos on, on Twitter, that kind of thing. What do I think of it? It's a fine idea. Why not? Let's give it a go. Let's see if it works. Let's see if interesting things happen there. But the one thing I will say is that um, the, 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 the narrative that has particularly resonated with me is people have been talking about it on social and other social channels um, in the weeks since it's launched is... It does feel quite tech broy. It does feel like the sort of people who might do well from it are those people who are, you know, quite boorish, quite loud, quite opinionated. Because it is, in effect, a, a broadcast platform. Although it can be used, obviously, as a, a, a communication, a, you know, peer-to-peer communication thing, or a, a, you know, open up the floor to questions, kind of communication thing. And I. I don't know, but then, but the, the but the same token though, the same could be said of Twitter, right? And uh, you know, Twitter is still dominated a lot by you know, journalists, by you know, people who are boorish <laughs> professionally or personally. Um, and I still adore Twitter. I absolutely, it's my happiest place on the internet is Twitter. When I wake up in the morning, my friends are there and they're saying interesting and lovely things. As long as you follow not idiots, then you'll get some, you'll get some nice stuff from it, I think. Dan, what about you? Have you broadcast on Clubhouse yet? I have not, but I also am going to really enjoy that uh, the, the Fitness Plus stuff is too upbeat for Scotland, but Twitter is just upbeat enough. I am fascinated. I love it. Um, I have not used. Well, I follow some people who are quite dour on there Twitter. There you go. So, so it fits in, I, right? There me, you go. Me grounded. Yeah. Um, I haven't used Clubhouse yet. I'm very skeptical of it. I think a lot of what's driving the interest in it right now is the exclusivity and the fact that Clubhouse has done a good job of leveraging celebrities, essentially, to start talking about it. I think that makes a big difference um, because it's going to get a lot of buzz, especially when you can't get it. Oh, all these famous people are over there, but not me. But what if I could get in there? I could be with famous people. I just... Despite being on a podcast right now, which is a primary auditory medium, I feel like audio as a social media sort of thing is kind of limited like we saw twitter try to release like tweets that were like audible tweets and it didn't really catch on 
I don't think that Clubhouse is going to make it for the long haul. That's my feelings. I think eventually it'll get opened up. People will, you know, there'll be a big spike of interest for a little bit, and then it will kind of die off. Because I think people just don't have necessarily the time or interest in sitting there and hearing, you know, people yeah, pontificate for 30 minutes. Oh, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I could be wrong. Allison, what do you think? I think my opinion lands right about where all of you were saying. Um, when I when I think about Clubhouse, my first instinct is, well, this is stupid. This doesn't make any sense. I don't want to do this. This sounds lame, which sounds like exactly what I thought when Twitter came out. This is stupid. 140 characters. What could that do? That that can't be anything interesting. So I, I've learned to temper my own beliefs or, you know, I, I still think it's stupid, but I also believe I'm probably wrong that maybe it isn't stupid. But, but like uh, Christopher was saying, it just seems like it's for some individuals to be able to have a broadcast channel where they think they won't be recorded. It's, I mean, they're wrong, of course, because people can record with anything. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't get it, but I might just be, you know, get off my lawn a little bit about this one. Um, good answers all around. I think that this is kind of exactly how I feel about it. Um, I don't know if you remember, uh, but there used to be an app called Talk Show. I wrote mm. about it back in mm-hmm. April of 2016, where I interviewed the creator of the app. Um, and Talk Show was this awesome place where folks could get together and start a quote unquote talk show. And what what would happen is you could text each other. You would you just send text messages to each other. And it was a great way to do live streaming of um uh, and you know the Apple uh event that takes place, you know, multiple times a year or some other online thing. Or you could just get together with uh, some other cool people and chat and share photos and text, etc. And I was hoping that Clubhouse was going to be like that, um, that it was going to be a place where you could kind of hold it's almost like what the what's happening right now in the relay discord where we are talking and we can also interact with folks over the live stream chat as we're talking. But it's not like that. And Clubhouse, it, it feels... Um, it, it, it belongs in the same bubble that Quibi belongs in. And maybe that's a cruel <laughs> thing to say, but that is how it feels. It's like purposely trying to make itself cool by being obstructive in many ways and going against what one would expect. So in that way, in the way of like not letting you share anything and not letting you kind of uh, text while you're you're having a conversation or share links to stuff while you're talking, all of those things they see as pros, but I see as uh, cons. So welcome yeah, to my we'll new venture, Quib House. <laughs> <laughs> Quib house. <laughs> um, let us move on to our final topic, which comes from Chris. So from one of the shiniest and newest uh, bits of the world of tech, I want to take us to one of the oldest and most dinged up bits of tech. Um, I am surrounded by old tech here. I really love vintage uh, technology. And I've just sent a picture to the group Skype. We're recording this so you can see what's behind me as we talk. Um, but I want to know what is the oldest bit of kit? that you have what's the oldest bit of kit that you use on a if not daily basis then a regular basis it's not something that sits on a shelf and looks pretty it's something you use and for me it is a uh 
folding keyboard, a Bluetooth <laughs> keyboard from the uh, Windows CE pocket PC era of technology. And it feels fantastic. And I've used it with iPhones for years and years. It folds up in half. The keyboard feels absolutely beautiful on it. And I can use it. It's now my current phone, which is a 12 Pro Max, is too big to sit on it portrait. It just falls over. But it sits landscape really nicely. And it's becoming quite... Um, it's oddly almost getting to sub-notebook size screen <laughs> for this sort of stuff. But I can be super, super productive with it. So that's what I want to know. Um, Dan, what is the oldest bit of kit in your collection that is still a regular part of your carry? So I'll take a, a slightly broader view of this because I was thinking about it and thinking it's the alarm clock that I have on my uh, nightstand, which is, I just looked it up. I reviewed it from Macworld in 2010 uh, and it has an iPod dock on it, which tells you how old it is, but it was this brilliant Cambridge Soundworks. Just sounded amazing, had a great AM, mm-hmm. FM setup and a clock radio, but now the LCD screen has died on it, uh, which makes it less useful as a clock. But I realized as I was sitting here, I have something older, and it is uh, hooked up in my living room, my Onkyo TX8211, which is a stereo receiver that my father gave me when I was in high school. And all Mm. I wanted was a boombox. But (laughs) what I got was this (laughs) stereo, and he gave me an old pair of bookshelf speakers that he had had in the kitchen for a long time. And, you know, was like, oh, trust me, these are way better. And I was like, oh, whatever, it doesn't play tapes. I have to get like a tape deck to hook up to it. This is the worst. Um, But I still use this stereo receiver. It's hooked up to my TV. It is the sound I use every single day when we watch TV. And it is uh, 25, 25-ish years old, probably. Uh, And it took went to college with me. I have been using it like regularly for years and it's still it's only stereo but it's pretty much bulletproof that thing so i have to say uh i hope it doesn't die because i can't imagine replacing it it's just it's so hard for me to to feel like that would be the end of it allison what about you well i can definitely not beat that i uh got an m1 mac mini and uh i started using it on my desk alternatively with my laptop the way i was using it before and i realized the mac mini doesn't have any kind of speaker that you can stand to listen to and luckily my husband steve believes that speakers should never be thrown away so he's convinced that at any moment somebody might need the speaker that he has so he saves them all and he brought in these logitech uh computer speakers I don't know how old they are, but they've got to be on the order, not nearly as old as your uh, your receiver there, Dan, but they got to be 10, 12, 15 years old. I mean, they're really, really old. And so now I'm using a brand new M1 Mac Mini with these ridiculous old speakers. But you know what? They actually, they actually work okay, as long as you don't touch the connector, because then it makes a really bad noise. <laughs> Uh, when I was a kid, I would go over to my great-grandparents' house, and my great-grandpa had this huge collection of records. And one of my favorite records was from the Irish Rovers, and there was a song that the Irish Rovers did called The Unicorn. Um, I won't sing it now, but it was fantastic. And then there was another one about chewing gum losing its flavor on the bedpost overnight. And anyway, point is, um, he had this this stereo receiver that was a record player at the top, and tapes underneath and it also did i think multi-change cd uh within it and i would take he had blank tapes and i would take his records and record them to the tape because it also wrote to those tapes and so i would create little mixtapes of the songs that i liked from his gigantic collection of uh records when he passed away my great grandma gave me his um his record player and stereo 
um, because of that memory. And so I still have that. It appears that we all are very audio based. And I wish that I knew the model. I don't know what it is. I just know um, it's new enough to have a CD changer, uh, but old enough to be a record or a, a tape um writer. I don't even know what you call that. It's writing recorder. two tapes. Recorder. I don't know what yeah. you call that. Yeah, tape recorder. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, and of course, having um, a record player at the top of it. All right. That is the end of our last topic. We have just enough time for a bonus topic. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom. Do you have a website? Does your website have a shopping cart, registration forms, or contact us pages? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you need Pingdom. Nobody wants their critical website transactions to fail. That means a bad experience for your users. It could mean lost business for you. But the good news is you can set up transaction monitoring with Pingdom, which will alert you when cart checkout forms and login pages fail before they affect your customers and your business. Pingdom will let you know the moment any of these fail in whatever way is best for you. You can customize how you're alerted and who is alerted depending on the outage severity. Pingdom cares about your users having the smoothest site experience possible, and if disaster strikes, you'll be the first to know. It's super easy to get started. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. When you sign up, use code CLOCKWISE at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, bonus topic this week. Really quick, do you have a favorite tool that you use, a physical like construction-y tool you use? Allison. Well, that would have to be the chainsaw that Steve got me for Mother's Day one year. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> Micah? Oh, very cool. Uh, yeah, for me, it's the ratcheting screwdriver. It's a wire cutter recommendation, and I love it. Uh, for me, it would be, um, well, in the States, you have uh, X-Acto blades. You love your X-Acto mm. blades. In the UK, we would use um, Swan Morton, a uh, Sheffield-based company. So, yeah, I use. I was a, a trained graphic designer, uh, so I've also them around, but they're useful for everything nice. so swan morton scalpel blades uh this question is actually spawned by the same screwdriver that micah picked so i'll pick uh <laughs> which i just got to replace my old screwdriver which fell apart but i will say the uh, i also have a little mini toolkit from uh i fix it and i've used that for years it's wonderful all right thank you all for that we have reached the end of the show all that remains is to thank our fantastic guest this week allison sheridan thank you so much for being here well, thanks for having me on, and I, I hope I wasn't too offensive. I try to be just enough offensive to the Ride that line. Here. Ride that line. And Christopher Finn, thank you so much for joining us. I definitely haven't been offensive enough. I'll try better next time. <laughs> and Michael will be back next week, but until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. <laughs>